Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today I'm joined by staff reporters Jack Harris and Max Madden, as well as site publisher Chris Cartman. Guys, how are we doing? Rob, I'm doing great after you know coming off a, a weekend of fantastic food in San Diego, especially Kono's down by the beach. Although with locals, you know, we were uh, chastised a bit for that selection, but I think that the uh, the eggs and the French toast were pretty good. I did not go to San Diego, but the peanut butter and honey sandwich I had at my house Saturday night was delicious. I enjoyed the weather break. It was quite I nice too. and getting down to the beach, checking out Pacific Beach and all that. It, it was nice. Uh, ASU fans were definitely not happy with the game, though. I was very happy oh. with the weather, though, as well. Chris and I both from California, and I was very happy to get back there and get out of the heat for a weekend. Um, ASU, though, they fell 28-21 to Rocky Long San Diego State Aztecs at SDCCU Stadium on September 15th on Saturday night. First look is out, though, this week for number 10 uh, Washington. Check that out. Jack Harris wrote that. He did a nice job. Uh, With the loss, ASU fell out of the AP Top 25. The Sun Devils received nine votes in that poll following their loss to to SDSU. The Pac-12 in the Top 25, Sanford at number 7. Washington tied with Penn State at number 10, Oregon at number 20. Other Pac-12 teams receiving votes, Colorado received 49 votes, Cal received 40 votes, Utah with 6, and Washington State with 2. But guys, we're going to move in just straight into the game and into one of the most important parts of this game, and it was the 4th and 1 situation presenting Arizona State in the second quarter. Before that play, there was a 43-yard completion to Frank Darby to set ASU up on the 20-yard line in San Diego State territory in the red zone. And the play before that was a 9-yard completion to Kyle Williams, excuse me, 8-yard completion on 3rd and 9 to Kyle Williams. ASU took a timeout, and then on 4th and 1, they did not convert. They turned the ball over on downs. Obviously, after that, San Diego State had a big drive, scored a touchdown before half. What did you guys make, though, of that play? Well, you know, I think when you kind of look at the flow of the game, um, my, my big thought was, you know, the coaches talked about, well, we had the momentum and, you know, we wanted to go up two scores and all of that. But, you know, in a game where you do have the momentum and, and, and it's kind of going the way you want, I don't really understand the logic of creating a play that can, that can change that momentum, that can, um, you know, give San Diego State a, a jolt going into halftime. Because if ASU plays for the field goal there, they're, they're for sure going to be leading at the half even if San Diego State goes back down the field and scores, I think it's just a different game. So I don't think they lost because they, they didn't convert the fourth down, but I think it really did change the complexity uh, of the way that game was being played and made it a lot tougher on the Sun Devils than it needed to be. And offensive coordinator Rob Lykins said after the game, uh, you know, as Chris noted in his piece, that he didn't feel re- very comfortable in short yardage situations, which brings the question maybe, you know, why did they go for it in that situation? Uh, you know, uh, talk about establishing momentum. I think, like what Jack said, if they had gone up 10 at that point, uh, and of course limited San Diego State to not go down the field, which they did not do, it would have been a similar swing in momentum in ASU's favor. So, um, you know, the play call was interesting, but we'll let, we'll let Chris get into the rest of that. Right, so what I found interesting about this was the timeout decision. Uh, Rob Likens was happy with kind of the way the ASU was up-tempoing in this game, and you could tell that they wanted to get up over the ball quickly and get a snap off. You see on the TV, which I, when I watch back you know, after being there, you see Herm Edwards saying to the, into the headset, do you want to take a timeout here? I think that was more Herm Edwards wanting to take a timeout than Rob Likens wanting to take a timeout. Uh, and then when they go over to the sidelines, you see some of the coaches kind of talking about that. And then you see that ASU comes out in a different formation. Uh, the play that they ended up running, 
they had trips to the field side uh, prior to that they had they had twins over there and basically it's a bubble slant concept to Kyle Williams as a middle receiver uh, he basically fakes like he's gonna block for the bubble route and then releases into a slant and then depending on where the safety is uh, if the safety is over the top of Williams or if the safety is over the top of Harry it's either gonna be a one-on-one on the backside to Harry or uh, Kyle Williams should be able to have that one-on-one well it ended up what ended up happening is Manny Wilkins really stared down the 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 bubble which didn't open up after the the fake or the the bubble and go which didn't open up the slant wasn't open after Williams released off of it Wilkins looked backside Harry was covered and he ends up getting sacked I think uh, in that situation the coaches and and even Danny Gonzalez agreed after the game and then subsequently they all kind of felt like if they could get up two scores it was going to change the dynamic and the calculus of San Diego State there to where they would feel like they needed to press more from behind to throw the ball uh, I still feel like what the the danger which ended up happening was you create a momentum swing by not getting it on the fourth down which then gives that emotional sort of edge to San Diego State and they come all the way back down. Now, Herm Edwards is right. That should never happen. You should never be able to go 85 yards against ASU, and ASU made multiple mistakes defensively. I still say, though, that 10 points on the road when you're going to get the ball to start the half is a really good place to be when you're facing a first-time starter as a quarterback, and especially when they decided to take the timeout, which allowed San Diego State to settle itself. I think it was a bad it was a bad idea by ASU. And like you said, uh, the 10-point lead, it, it seems like that would have been – you know, it's never a sure thing, but with Brandon Reese, the kicker that was just Pac-12 Player of the Week, you had to feel pretty good about that option if you were ASU. Uh, something I, I found interesting, no Sparky used on that play, something they used a lot last year in short-yarded situations. Likens talked about the, the play specifically and about the short yardage of Arizona State after this game, saying, we tried to run a bubble with a slant off it. They did a good job staying in man coverage. It was a one-and-done throw. I did not like what was going on in our short yardage. I do not feel like I did a good job with a short yardage plan. I was not real comfortable running a run play at that point in time. It proved out throughout the whole game we didn't do anything in short yardage. That has to be fixed immediately. Then he went on to say, anytime that happens the way it did, it's a handful of things. It's part scheme, part physical, getting beat. It's part. It's very disappointing. That's not my personality right now, and that's why I'm in hell right now. I can't live with, I can't live with that. That's why it has to be fixed immediately. It's pretty emphatic right there. But what that tells me is if you're uncomfortable actually in the game with your short yardage package and then after a timeout you go to a shotgun you know, and that type of a play call where if the guy doesn't bite, the safety doesn't bite on that, on that fake – you're, there's a good chance you're not going to have an open receiver to throw it to. I just think that whole thing was sort of ill-advised. And after the after the fourth and one failure, as we, we talked about a second ago, the Aztecs went on an 11-play, 85-yard drive in just the span of a minute and 33 seconds, tied the game at 14. It ended with Tim Wilson Jr.'s touchdown, the first passing touchdown of the season by the Aztecs. DeMonte King's total bust in the end zone on that play allowed that, but the play before, Chase Lucas could not tackle uh, the San Diego State receiver, Ethan Dedeau, in in the field of play, and it set ASU up in a bad spot there, and eventually Ryan Agnew made that nice pass to Wilson Jr. in the back of the end zone, and San Diego State had tied it up. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Agnew looked really good on that drive. I'm not sure that that's something that you know a lot of people expected, given his inexperience throwing the ball. 
But as Rob mentioned, uh, DeMonte King's total bust in the end zone on that play. I think you saw Tim Wilson, uh, you know, when Ryan Agnew rolled uh, rolled to his right and then just sort of lofted it over DeMonte King. The last uh, thing he had to do was try to jump up and deflect the ball, but it was a really solid pass. It was a strong drive by San Diego State, and I think that that is definitely something that swung the momentum and, as Chris mentioned, uh, gave gave the Aztecs the emotional edge heading into the half. And on that drive, San Diego State was faced with a 3rd and 10 back at their 40 and completed a 14-yard pass to Juwan Washington. Washington, obviously, we'll get into in a little bit, but that was a very big play that on the drive, obviously, was you know one of the big changing periods of that drive. Yeah, I mean, DeMonte King had the busted coverage on the touchdown pass, but that wasn't the only busted zone coverage on that drive. I mean, you mentioned Juwan Washington, he, he comes out of the backfield late on that third and 10, and, and all of the linebackers are, had already vacated downfield for ASU. Um, two plays before the touchdown, Merlin Robertson get, looks like he gets lost in zone coverage um, on a 15-yard, on a just like little in route that, that San Diego State hit. Those, those were very easy throws that Ryan Agnew were completing mm-hmm. on that drive. I mean, he, he wasn't – none of those throws were tough because, because SDSU was getting guys open against ASU secondary, um, and you saw it with the touchdown pass. And, again – you know, that was the one drive where, where San Diego State really had to kind of open it up where they weren't just going in 22 personnel and, and pounding it on the ground. Um, and they were able to, to do it effectively with ASU kind of in a, in, you know, softer kind of prevent type coverages. It was tentative play all around by ASU. You get back on your heels. It's almost like you're trying to just run the clock out as opposed to go make a play. Uh, Kalen Thomas, Robertson both kind of got lost underneath. And then uh, Chase Lucas needs to make that tackle. Plus Jalen Bates comes up and has a chance to, to clean it up. He doesn't get it done. I really think that Dadeau was in bounds at, even so with all that. Uh, and, and But they ruled him out of bounds. And then DeMonte King just – he the window dressing brought him up and he lost – side of where the receiver was and he shouldn't it shouldn't have even been a possibility that was a calamity type of situation asu had the ability though coming out of the break tied the game tied getting the ball to get some sort of momentum back on its side but it was unable to with the all these three and outs that we're going to talk about yeah and moving into this offensive breakdown for asu uh, Sun Devils had 377 yards of total offense on this night, 341 through the air, just 36 on the ground. Manny Wilkins went 31 for 46, passing for 341, so two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground that he ran for. Eno Benjamin, 13 carries for 21 yards. Isaiah Floyd, two carries for six yards. Wilkins, seven carries for 16 yards. ASU was only three uh, of 11 on third downs, 0 of 2 on their fourth downs. Sophomore Frank Darby, uh, he was doing a great job in the first half. He had four catches for 111 yards, tying his career high in the first half alone, which he actually set last year against San Diego State in Arizona State's 30-20 to loss on this field at Frank Cush Field. Um, but only he only had one catch in the second half. New career high, obviously, with 127 yards. But it, it seemed like once he was getting going, it seemed like they kind of blew an opportunity to get him more involved in the passing game. Well, I think what you saw the difference between the first half and the second half was in the first half, SDSU was playing uh, a little more aggressive coverages. They were leaving Darby and man with, with no help over the top, or when there was help, um, I think his second big pa- big catch, the safety went over to, to double up uh, Nikhil Harry. Um, ASU was able to hit those, and I think this kind of goes back to the, the message Manny Wilkins had after the game, which was you know when he said that the Aztecs' DBs couldn't cover ASU's receivers, and I think those two catches that Darby had – kind of show that you know one of the routes he just he gets to the, the, the top of his route 
and gets physical with the DB and then separates and is wide open downfield. In the second half, I thought two things started to happen. Uh, San Diego State started mixing their coverages a little bit more. They played a lot more zone, um, and they kind of took away those deep those deep routes. And also, ASU didn't pass protect nearly as well. You know, Benjamin missed a couple blocks. The offensive line, you know, was getting pushed around. Cole Cabral, um, you know, the, the pocket collapsed with him a couple times. Um, and when those things happen – it's tough to get those downfield throws. That's mm-hmm. why you started seeing Manny Wilkins have to throw a lot more checkdowns. They're getting in third and longs. Um, and this is like a couple weeks now running. ASU's touchdowns ha- have basically come after deep shots. Mm-hmm. Like That's how they've been moving the ball you know, against Michigan State now in this game. And when teams take those away, you can just see it's, it's very laborious for this offense when they can't run the ball and they're relying on a lot of short passes and they're not pass protecting very well. Right, and that's a trend that we've seen this whole season, Jack. I think, you know, as, as well as ASU played against UTSA in the home opener, it wasn't a very sustainable style of offense. Obviously, very uh, very much struggled, only got 16 points on Michigan State. And in this game, not being able to have the run game at all allowed, you know, Manny Wilkins to really have to throw the ball a lot. Now, he did have 341 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but it definitely hurts the offense when Eno Benjamin has 13 carries for 21 yards. And I think that, as Chris mentioned before the podcast, is just ASU wasn't ready for this kind of physical matchup in the trenches. And I think that that's something that the Sun Devils struggled on both sides of the ball. Uh, and ASU pretty much abandoned the running game heading into the second half. Uh, 17 rush attempts in the first half, only seven in the second half. Um, yeah, I think that I think that the inability to get something going going on the ground is concerning for ASU. I actually don't think. I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't. I don't think that they really abandoned the run. I think that when you get four three and outs in a row, to, to, <laughs> then you're not going to have a lot of running attempts, mm-hmm. Max. But um, and and actually to further that point, uh, first ASU drive of the second half, they are in a second and six. You know, Benjamin runs for a loss of one. Uh, what I saw in this, and then the second three and out, you know, Benjamin, the second and four, he runs for three, third and one, he, run, he runs for a loss of, of two yards. So actually, to me, what happened there is two things. A, Rob Likens was trying to get the first first down so that they can maybe get more tempo mm-hmm. in, injected into their drives. And he was also trying to stay on schedule to give themselves an earlier and a greater range of possibilities on their third downs. And he was trying to weigh that against taking some of the bigger shots against maybe coverages that were not as conducive to, to taking them with Frank Darby. While ASU's receivers are saying, and Manny Wilkins after the game said, these DBs can't cover us. Let's just air the ball out. But, but, that's sort of the in-game quandary of a Rob Likens. Now, in this game, what happened was very few things were working for ASU. San Diego State was playing off-man coverage on the perimeter. So the hitch concepts, you know, where it'd be a five-yard run and then turn around and catch the football. They were putting those on Kyle Williams. They put a couple on Harry. They put, them, they put one on Darby, put one on Ayuk. Ayuk actually scored a touchdown yeah. on one of those, right? That was working. Then they ran the, the what, what is called like a snag concept into the boundary where they ran the three receivers. They build a triangle. They turn around on hitch concepts, and they, they had that. I think they actually could have gone to that more. The problem that happened in this game, I think, was other than those two things and then over the top against man coverage on those deep posts to Frank Darby, there wasn't anything else that they could rely upon in this game. Um, the, the offensive line was very tentative going up against this, uh, the way that San Diego State tries to cancel gaps by jamming guys on slants 
and stunts and linebacker pops in the gap. So what happened was ASU's offensive line, they were not firing off the football and 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 moving the line of scrimmage back. They were waiting to see who was going to be coming into their gaps and no gaps were able to really open up as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And also what, what happened was in order to try to uh, get some sort of sense of urgency injected. ASU was was rotating offensive linemen. So Kate Cody comes in, yeah. doesn't have any success. Uh, they they brought in Alex Lasoya. He gets beat almost immediately uh, on a block. They it just it, they just weren't having the ability to figure anything out. And I think the coaches actually maybe exacerbated their problems. Though I understand how Rob Likens felt the way that he did in that in that game. And Chris, talking about the 4-3 now to start the second half, you mentioned the first two, but the third drive, second and 10, Ryan Jenkins on a five-yard completion, then a false start by Casey Tucker, and on third and 10, Manny Wilkins throws a pass incomplete. The fourth drive was a run for three on on first down. Second and seven was going to be the big shot for Frank Darby or for uh, Nikhil Harry, who was wide open on that play, but Eno Benjamin broke protection. He couldn't hold his man. Wilkins got sacked. Long third down was incomplete. So four to start the second half. ASU did not have a first down in the half until 4.08 in the fourth quarter. Where do you guys think the offense went? Well, I just want to talk about a really clear theme that we've been able to discern through three games, and that is poor protections from ASU's running back position. You know, Benjamin's had a minimum of a half dozen breakdowns, and they've been costly at times. You know, there's there's certain situations when you need that that uh, block to hold up in order to be able to have time to, to make the throws down the field. I thought I thought earlier in the game, Manny Wilkins had a lot of time to operate, and he was kind of surveying the field and standing up in the pocket really nicely. In the second half, they didn't really try many of them, but when they did, it they didn't he didn't have as much time and and couple that. Or that's an ag- that's aggravated by ASU's tight ends not doing a very good job of blocking at all throughout the whole season. Run, pass, whatever. Then remember they went to that one I formation and they brought in one of their walk-ons in to try to get a run play. That didn't work whatsoever. That he the as a fullback he ran right up the backside of that offensive lineman, two guys in one spot, and they split the gap and get the tackle for loss on Benjamin. Uh, so I'm not sure that I think that's again that shows you what the Lycans is trying to find something that's working in the run game, doing something different. It just wasn't there. Um, It's still the coach's responsibility to get something that they can kind of hang their hat on, but they they weren't able to. And then after that drive, though, Arizona State scored on that drive, eight completions by Manny Wilkins on that drive. No runs except for uh, Wilkins' uh, keeper when he he ran close to the five-yard line and hurdled the defender. Um, But Arizona State scored on that that drive with the Nikhil Harry touchdown in the red zone. Forced fumble after that on on Chase Jasmine by J.J. Wilson. Langston Frederick recovers. ASU has a chance. It's not a big chance. ASU started that drive with 43 seconds. What do you guys think happened on that last drive? Well, I mean, you know, they you, you get to that the, the play with the, the Darby catch, no catch. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a fourth down play, right? Um, that was an interesting an interesting concept that almost works. Um, but, you know, when, when you get that late in the game, you, you kind of have to take a shot like that. Um, again, like Rob, you said, they didn't have, like, that That situation was not conducive to going down the field and scoring with 40 seconds left or, or whatever it may be. Um, I know a lot of fans were upset about kind of how that played out at the end um, with, you know, the targeting call and the officials overturning Darby's catch, which 
I think you can you can make the case that it was incomplete, although it looked really close to be overturned on replay. Um, but I think you know the larger point is you just can't put yourself in that situation where you're having to rely on stripping the ball from the other team and then going down the field in 40 seconds and having to hit this 40-yard pass to Frank Darby, who's like in triple coverage on a right. fourth and ten. Like when you put yourself in that spot, okay, they got a bad break maybe with, with the officiating how it played out, but that's that's due to the fact that for the 25 minutes before that in that second half they they just were not playing well right i mean you know you get a, you get a bad break with uh the with the overturn of that call but also uh, i think asu was very fortunate to have frank darby get open on that play as as jack mentioned being in triple coverage on a fourth and 10 uh darby kind of undercut a couple defensive backs and sort of rose up and made that catch with just a tiny bit of space uh, you know like jack said it was really close in the replay Maybe maybe a bit too close to overturn it, but um, you know I, I I think personally that that it might have that it might have been nestled by the ground. But as Jack mentioned, the most important thing here is that ASU it's not a conducive sort of situation to put yourself in if you're trying to win that game. Yeah, I I just think it, what happened in the game was ASU got its butt kicked. <laughs> they just got physically dominated. They. The yeah. second that what happened was ASU was playing San Diego State style of game in the second half, exacerbated by inability to get any first downs. The defense is staying on the field. You have a young defense that's just not ready to handle that type of situation where they're just getting pounded relentlessly. Um, combination between maybe just not having the experience to handle it, not having the, the culture to be that that ready from a physical standpoint to deal with, with, with what was going on there and then not having uh, enough um, enough uh, of a depth of their playbook to be able to do different types of things to try to stop what was being done to them as well. Yeah, you know, this, this kind of – and it, it struck me when I was watching the game back last night. Um, one of the things that Danny Gonzalez said when he got here, one of the one of the, you know – uh, things people kind of worried about with this defense was, well, what about when you face a team that's going to pound the, the the rock on you and it's going to just keep running the ball? And one of the things he said was, well, we won't be afraid to put an extra defensive lineman on the field or an extra linebacker on the field. And that kind of thing just didn't happen. You know, mm-hmm. they, they were out there with their normal personnel. They were getting outmanned in the box. And then San Diego State, like Chris said, I mean, they were just more physical. I mean, how many times when you're right. watching that game did you see a San Diego State blocker throwing a, a Sun Devil defender to the ground? Just really quickly with, with the whole – end game thing that happened mm-hmm. Herm Edwards said and other people said after this game and a lot of the analysis was if not for the targeting ASU would have been able to get up and run a play okay but the reality is Herm Edwards was running onto the field as yeah. observed on TV calling for a timeout okay it was going to be a timeout during the timeout undoubtedly as happens all across football when there's no targeting they look at the play again and they decide to do a review. Okay, there would have been a review regardless. Right. I, I am I am a hundred percent confident of that. Now, I think that whether or not there was enough to overturn the catch on the field is debatable. I personally don't think it's, it was a catch, but I also think that maybe overturning it was a little speculative. Okay, like it, I don't know that you could say for sure that it wasn't a completion. Okay, right. I, although I think it probably wasn't. Okay, whether or not there should be a spot foul targeting. Okay, that's going to be debated. I personally think no. I personally think that's kind of... And the case is, there's not right now, and there wasn't doesn't in matter, that game. It, it doesn't matter what, what happened in the game, other than whether or not right. the, the, it should have been overturned, right. which is debatable. Everything else happened the way that it should have happened. Mm-hmm. 
and transitioning into the defense. ASU came in with the number one rushing defense in the nation through two games after giving up 32.5 yards on the ground per game, two yards to UTSA, 63 to Michigan State. Obviously, the defense got gashed by San Diego State's running attack. The run-first philosophy, ASU gives up 311 yards on the ground. Boy, was I wrong this week in my predictions, fellas. <laughs> Juwan Washington at 27 rushes for 138 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Chase Jasmine, the backup, 19 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Agnew, 36 yards on nine carries. I said that they would get about 150 total rush yards. They did more than double that. Yeah, I think that the the sort of, you know, Chase Jasmine being able to produce at almost the exact same level as Jawan Washington and actually being a little bit more efficient just shows how dominant the offensive line was for San Diego State, being able to push uh, and create so many, uh, so much room for those guys to be able to move. And then Jawan Washington, of course, capitalizing with his sort of lateral quickness and physicality that's so du- that's so difficult to bring him down when he's 5'7 with that low center of gravity. So Ace, you really struggled against the run, and they have another tough matchup this weekend. Uh, against Miles Gaskin, the Huskies' offensive line. Yeah, you know, one of the things that struck me was um, through San Diego State's first three drives, I think, I think Juwan Washington had five carries for five yards, um, and on those first three drives, San Diego State only went with a that their twenty-two personnel in an I formation once. Starting with that fourth drive, where they went down the field and scored, they pretty much operated out of that look the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's like I was saying before, you know what? What you saw was the Aztecs just had more blockers than ASU had defenders in the box. Um, you know, ASU second-level defenders and their defensive backs were kind of slow getting up to the line of scrimmage and, and getting in, involved in the play. Uh, San Diego State was just way more physical, especially with ASU's outside linebackers clearing holes. Because I think, like, when you watch it, Rennell Wren and some of the nose tackles, they were still getting penetration on the inside. But when you're facing a, a shiftier back like Juwan Washington, instead of, like, you, you look at Michigan State's backs, which were bigger-bodied guys, you know, he can make guys miss in the backfield, and he made a ton of guys miss arm tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And then... They had he had huge holes to run through because San Diego State had better numbers. They were more physical. When you do that, you know it's it's going to be easy to run the football as well as San Diego State did. This was a difference between grown men who have experienced it and young guys who are trying just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What happened today in practice? No surprise. You had Antonio Pierce trying to get his linemen to be more physical. Okay, this ASU defense, San Diego State defense. They rely on the same thing, which is guys flying into gaps so that holes don't open up, okay? But the holes are opening up time and again Mm -hmm. because ASU wasn't physical enough at getting into or closing those gaps down, okay? So what you have is freshman linebackers who are getting absorbed. They're not blowing blowing those blocks back in to, 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 to... close the gaps mm-hmm. they're not they're not anticipating and quickly getting to those spots you have secondary members who are being really tentative either because they're there's a little they're a little nervous or right. maybe even afraid of, of coming up or because um, they're just not seeing it and reading the play quickly enough that San Diego State has no such problems right. those dudes were flying up and making plays you know, I mean, I hate to use an analogy, but it's like a bird will drop and come super close to the ground because it's done it a hundred thousand times before versus a baby bird trying to figure out like <laughs> what, 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 like how close I can get to that ground. Right. Okay. Those San Diego I think State. it's a good analogy. Those San Diego State players, they knew they were just flying up. Right. ASU's players, they don't, they don't have that yet. And also what I saw was a lot of yapping like Chase Lucas. You know, he was talking a lot to Dudell. You, you got to keep your mouth shut 
and you got to just be physical. What happens is a lot of times the guys that are yapping are the guys that are doing it because they aren't bringing quite enough. You know, Chase Lucas didn't even start the second half. And I'm just guessing that it was because Danny Gonzalez wasn't happy with with all that extemporaneous stuff. And he just wanted somebody out there playing football. Now, it doesn't mean that Taron Adams did better. And Chase Lucas is still a very good football prospect. But it's got to be more demonstrated and less verbalized. Yeah. And Agnew making his first college start went 12 for 24 for 129 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Nothing, nothing uh, very special, but he didn't make mistakes. And Ethan Dadeau, two catches for 30 yards. Cahill Waring, four catches for 30 yards. The, the players we expected to be involved in the passing game. And for ASU, seven tackles for loss, only one sack, though. They didn't seem like they were capitalizing when they had opportunities to get Agnew down. Karan Crump, three different times, came either unblocked to the quarterback or got off his man. He was only credited with one hurry, and he missed He missed all three sacks. He didn't have a sack on the night, didn't have a tackle for loss. Senior Tillman safety Jalen Harvey led the team in tackles for the second straight game. Um, the substitutions for defense with the physicality of San Diego State's offense seemed like it was a real issue. Very little play from linebacker Malik Wall. Uh, Malik LaWall, excuse me. Uh, Darius Lay didn't even play. Herm Edwards said yesterday it was because of a thumb injury. But it just seemed Actually like... Actually, fingers. Finger injury. Finger in, fingers in, injury. Um, it, it just seemed like the physicality, like you're saying, Chris, really got to this defense in a big way. Yeah. they. You just had young freshman players that really... Didn't really handle what they were up against. Jalen Bates is—he's not played a lot. He was getting kind of blown off the ball. They weren't—they weren't containing a lot of the runs the way they were supposed to be. And San Diego State ran away from Rennell Wren, and Rennell Wren also got dinged up in the game. It looked right. like a fingers because he's got two fingers taped together at practice today. And um, so the only time they ran the ball really successfully up the middle was when he was running a stunt. And they ran up the middle or when he was out of the game and they had like DJ Davison in the game and he just wasn't able to give the same level of physicality. They just got beaten. They got physically whooped. And the chess match you were talking about going into this game between, you know, Gonzalez, White and and Herm Edwards and coming back with his defense, you know, versus Rocky versus Rocky Long and that San Diego State defense with Zach Arnett. Well, I think what happened was San Diego State's play calling did a really good job of understanding how far into its installation process Danny Gonzalez was defensively. They watched the first two games and said, these are the things they could do. These are the things that they're not doing yet. So they tried to put them in a situation where they had to do some things or they should do some things that structurally they weren't yet ready for. Maybe a year from now they will will be ready for those things, but they weren't and they weren't able to handle it. And uh, moving on to special teams. Special teams really looked like it was a, a hindrance for this ASU team. Um, a, a few different times, Ryan Newsom brought the ball out of the end zone when he was at least four yards deep in the end zone. It was eight yards deep on one, and he took it back to within the 10, like, like the eight-yard line, and then they had a penalty, a block in the back on top of that. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that. Even Herm Edwards said it after the game. Brandon Ayuk returned a ball from the two-yard line. He didn't make it out to the 20. Uh, yeah, a punt. Just, you can't do any of that stuff. And there were penalties, like you said, though, on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. If you're inside the five, you don't feel the punt. If you're, if you're more than a couple yards deep, you don't take the ball out of the end zone on a kickoff very cut and dried they 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 hurt themselves on starting field position can't do that in this type of a game and that was an emphasis last week in practice you saw uh slocum really emphasizing that um and it didn't really work out so great for asu in that game um hopefully for the sun devils they can they can fix that because that's something that's really small and simple to understand but can really uh you know put your offense back uh, deep in your own territory and so finally, ending ending this episode, what are some of your guys' takeaways from the game, and what have you guys learned about ASU after three games? Yeah, we were talking about this with, with Chris, is that 
you know, I think a lot of fans would have been probably happy with a two and one start if you just told them at the beginning of the year, well, they're one two out of three non-conference games. But the way this kind of unplayed, with with you know the promise that came from the Michigan State game and then losing to a team that's starting a backup quarterback for his first time, um, it it leaves ASU in a in a questionable spot because now you you've seen them play well to the point where they they kind of handle a game they 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 handle late game situations against Michigan State and you've seen them also really just get physically beaten by a group of five team, a good group of five team, but still. Um, I think we'll, we'll be able to learn a lot from this Washington game this weekend, which we'll talk more about on the Premium Podcast Thursday. Um, I think, you know, again, there's not very many, you know, the Pac-12 South is is weak, and I think the teams they've played these last two weeks are as good as any team that are in their division this year. Um, but that would be kind of the where you go from here. Yeah, uh, the biggest takeaway for me, I think, is that ASU just has a ton of questions along their offensive line, and it's really starting to hurt their rushing production. Um, you know, as we noted in our practice report today, report today, they're they're trying out some new things along the offensive line. But uh, you know, Eno Benjamin is just so talented that Arizona State really needs to get that guy going uh, in order to have a more cohesive offense. I thought that San Diego State was as bad or even worse of an opponent than Michigan State. I, I had more confidence, actually, that ASU was going to beat Michigan State than I did against San Diego State if Agnew played decently well, which he actually did. He played he quite, did. quite well for, make a mistake. for his first start. So I don't think that's actually that bad, but it does show you that ASU just physically is still not ready to play at the very top of, uh, of the college football landscape right, yet, right, yet, right now. Yeah, I agree with Jack uh, just in the fact that this game is going to be important and kind of seeing where they're at with a different kind of a test, going up into a hostile environment like like Washington, playing a very good team like that. Um, but I, I'm just uh, curious still what this team can do just because we've seen mixed results and we've seen a defense that looks at times like it's really good and looks like it understands this complex concept that Danny Gonzalez brought and sometimes it doesn't seem like it can grasp it like at San Diego State. Um, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside staff reporters Max Madden and Jack Harris, as well as site publisher Chris Cartman. I'm Rob Warner saying so long, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the